Thank you so much, ladies. What a beautiful special number. Take your Bible now with me tonight. This is not a mistake. Turn to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. You had part one of a two-part message. Part one, dealing with the gospel and as clear an explanation I could give of the matter of justification by faith alone. That was a lot to put into one message. As I was studying Romans 5, and and those of you like to dig deeper in Scripture, by the way, by the way, let me tell you something that I am amazed by and absolutely thrilled by, the depth of learning that members of this church desire in Scripture. I, I, I love that. I love that. I've, I've been confronted with this in my Sunday school class. I've been recommending books. And uh, sometimes I feel like when I recommend books to people, it's like whistling at the wind, especially when I recommend them to my staff. They don't read. And it's like, uh, <laughs> that was a joke. That was a joke. But sometimes I feel like it's like whistling at the wind. So, so for example, I, I recommended and purchased for my staff members a book uh, entitled How to Know a Person. How to Know a Person, a uh, wonderful book. Now, it does not purport to be a Christian book, though the author uses the Bible, but a wonderful thing about how to relate to people on a human level, and I thought that's important for all pastors to know, and we can all sharpen our human relation skills. And so I recommended that book to them, and then I realized that no one was going to order it, so then I ordered them each copy of it and passed it out. Now, what they don't know is there will be a test. And their next paycheck, did, no, just kidding. But, um, but because I found it to be, and have found as I've been reading through it, I found it to be something of great value. Well, in teaching my Sunday school class, I have recommended and put in the notes, by the way, so if you want to listen online and then go to the notes section, uh, recommendations of books for source material. And I put that in, in part because I use other people's material, and it would be plagiarism not to put it in. Okay, I don't use their material word for word typically, but I always reference where I'm getting the material from. That's part of the reason, but another part of the reason is to get people to look more deeply into the Bible. And here is what thrills me about this church. I don't know how many people have come up to me and said, Pastor Marty, I bought the Genesis Bible Commentary by Arnold Fruchtenbaum. I bought that commentary. I'm reading it. I'm loving it. It's incredible. So many people have told me that. Do you know what that tells me? That tells me that there is a desire to understand the Word of God. Now, why is that important? Let me tell you why. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. If I want to increase my faith, I need to learn the Word of God. And because we're talking this evening about the faith factor in Romans chapter 5, as we did this morning, with a whole different emphasis tonight, because we're talking about that, I think it's incredibly important that our faith in the Bible increase. Now, listen carefully. You could tell me a lot of things in life, and I might or might not be convinced. You could never convince me ever that the Bible is not the Word of God. You couldn't do it. You could never. I've studied this thing for decades, and by the way, the more I study, the more I recognize that I have merely scratched the surface of that wonderful book. And, and as I've studied, my faith has increased. Well, you say, Pastor, what about those, those parts of the Bible that are a little strange, a little weird, that seem a little bit too focused on a Mesopotamian culture, the Old Testament? What about that? That's where some of the best stuff is. 
That's where some of the best explanation is. And so what I'm suggesting to you is the importance as you grow in your Christian life, if you want increased faith, and tonight I'm going to give you a real good reason why you should want to increase your faith. If you want increased faith, exposure to the Word of God, to preaching and teaching is vital. I have often recommended that if you travel anywhere, any distance on a regular basis in your car, you should be listening to the Through the Bible uh, broadcast with J. Vernon McGee. He's really old school, but he'll walk you through the entire Bible if you listen enough, and that can be the foundation of genuine learning. I recommend that you listen to sermons, okay? We have all the Sunday school series in the gym is now online with downloadable PDFs, so you can listen to that if you would like, and folks that are watching online. By the way, we had 696 people in church this morning and 200 separate logins on the computer, and likely there's more than one person logging in, watching it on the computer, that's tremendous. And do you know that tells me? That there's a hunger for the Bible. I, I, I don't have a show, I don't have smoke and mirrors, I'm not doing any of that, but I am going to open up the Bible and tell you what the Bible says. And so I'm, I'm just excited about that. But why be excited about it? Because there's a very practical application to increasing your faith. As you learn the Bible, something else happens, and I want you to see that. Look at Romans chapter 5, verse number 1. The Bible says, therefore, being justified by faith, we are saved by faith. The grace of God comes by faith. Okay, what is the key to God's grace? It is faith. We are not a sacerdotal church. Well, Pastor Monty, what in the world does that mean? We do not believe that as we partake of the Lord's table later on in the service, that that conveys grace. You're not ingesting Jesus. That does not convey grace. We do not believe that the baptism tank conveys grace. These things are done as memorials and as identification. They are the two ordinances that the Lord gave to the church. Now, understanding that, though, how do we acquire, if you will, God's grace. Look again at verse number one. Therefore, being justified by faith. It is always by faith. Old Testament, New Testament. We say, Pastor Monty, in the Old Testament, they really didn't know who Jesus was, so how could they believe on Jesus? Listen carefully. They believed in the promise of God that God would send a Messiah. So if you go back in Romans 4 and you look about Abraham, what was it that Abraham believed and it was counted for righteousness? What did he believe? He believed the promise of God that he would have a son. And even in his old age, I mean when, 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 when he was old and decrepit and Sarah was old and decrepit and a long time before that ever happened, they... Um, they stopped being frisky. <laughs> but the Bible says that Abram believed that he would have a son. And that faith, listen carefully, in the promise of God was counted to him for righteousness. In the Old Testament, a Jew, not all Jews were saved. They could be Jewish by blood and not be saved, okay? In the Old Testament, how was a Jew saved? They were saved by believing in the promise of God. How, how are we saved today? 
by believing that God has fulfilled his promise in the person of Jesus Christ. Do you see that? They were saved anticipating the fulfilling of the promise. We are saved looking back saying, yes, God has fulfilled his promise in the redemptive work of Christ. So whether it's Old Testament or New Testament, you're saved by faith, okay? So again, look at verse number one. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We're no longer enemies with God. Now, I want to look at verse number two, and I want you to drill down on it, and I want you to do something tonight. I want you to look at every word of your Bible. Pastor Monty, why? Because if you don't have a King James Bible, you might be missing something really significant. Look at verse number two. By whom, they're speaking of Jesus, by Jesus also we have access, two words, by faith into this grace. Now, some of the modern translations, for absolutely no reason at all, remove the words by faith. I don't understand that, Pastor Monty, but if you start to really analyze it, they remove a lot of words. Well, you know, but, you know, if I read the modern version, I get the gist of it. Okay, now, now folks, listen. I want more than the gist of it. I want the very words replicated in my English version that God has said. And so, in our version, and in the, what is called the Textus Receptus, the ancient text used by the church from the first century forward, by whom also we have access by faith, Those two words appear. They are absolutely key because in verse number one, we are justified by faith. In verse number two, those of us who are justified by faith, we have access, notice the words of your Bible, access by faith into this grace wherein ye stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Now, elsewhere, Scripture tells us that as believers, we walk by faith and not by sight. Faith is the key. It is the entry point to salvation. We are justified by faith. For by grace are ye saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But not only is faith the entry point of salvation, Faith is the active principle of the entire Christian life. The strength of your faith will determine in a very practical way the grace that you have in life. You say, Pastor Money, what, what is grace? That is God's favor unearned. Well, Pastor, now wait a minute. If I do X, Y, and Z, and I don't do X, Y, and Z, I'll earn God's favor. Scripture doesn't teach that. But it does teach that when we believe certain things, we are given the grace of God, listen carefully, to make it through life as victors and not victims. This is really important because everything hinges on what I believe. My salvation, my eternal salvation, hinges on believing in Christ. If you do not believe in Christ, you're not saved. Now, someone brought up a question to me, and I thought it was a good question. 
they asked me about, well, what about if an infant, a little baby dies, you know, they, they didn't put their faith in Christ, what happens to them? I believe that they are covered by grace because they have not reached the age of accountability, okay? They, they cannot choose, they cannot choose. They don't know because they're just a little infant. There's plenty of scriptural evidence that teaches David, King David, for example, when his little baby died, David made the statement, he said, well, you can't come back to me. He said, but I will one day go to you. That was an inspired statement. What, what does it mean? That God takes care of all that, okay? Listen to me, God is just. God's not holding someone accountable who cannot be accountable. If an individual, for example, is profoundly mentally retarded, and they have no possible way of conceiving to believe on Christ, I believe, and I think Scripture is firm, because the Bible says, the smoking reed shall he not quench. I believe very plainly, Scripture is clear, that God's grace covers those people. So I, want, I didn't say it this morning, and I wish I had said it this morning, and so I'm saying it tonight. But for those of us who are saved, we've exercised saving faith in Christ. There is also a living faith in Christ that accesses the grace of God. Now, right away someone says, Pastor Monty, is it possible for me to know more of God's grace in my life? Listen to me. The answer is yes. The answer is yes. You did not get all of the grace you could have at the moment of salvation. You pastor, prove it. Okay, James 4, verse number 6, plainly says he giveth more grace. You've got some grace, and God can give you more grace. I think it's even more clear in 2 Peter 3, verse 18, where Peter says, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, what is he saying? Your responsibility is to grow in the realm of grace. How does that happen? According to Romans 5, it happens by faith, by what I believe. How is my faith increased? It is in, increased as I study, understand, and listen to the Word of God. You cannot be a Christian that experiences the grace of God apart from the Word of God. One of the things that is so sad about modern evangelicalism in America today. Someone, someone said this to me. They sent me one of those little pictures, um, meme. <laughs> they sent it to me on text. I, th I thought it was great. There's a picture, a depiction of the Apostle Paul with a quill in his hand, and he was writing on a, writing on a parchment. And, and the words above it said this, um, if Paul were alive today, the American church would get a letter. <laughs> oh, Yeah. And it would make 1 Corinthians look like child's play. But, but one of the major problems is this. The average Christian, when put under pressure, is going to buy... And I'm not just talking about opposition from the state, okay? I'm not, that, that may be part of it someday. But the average Christian, when put under pressure in his life, when facing something that is difficult or a trial the average Christian will tend to buckle because he does not have the faith to access the grace. Does everyone see that? Do you understand? Pastor Money, well, how can I have that faith? I must bathe my mind in the Word of God. And if I am a Christian who is only looking for the next bit of entertainment, I'm going to be missing out on a building of my faith 
that will become necessary when the chips are down in my life or we will become necessary when the chips are down across the board for all of us. So believers stand in God's grace. We're justified by, his, by faith through grace, and, 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 and we're justified by faith. We have access, though, to additional grace by faith. That is the key. Pastor Money, what, what is that? It's what I believe. Now let me get very, very practical, because that's exactly what Paul does. Look at verse two again. By whom, by Jesus, also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. We're standing in the realm of the grace of God, but we have daily access to that grace by faith, by what we believe. And notice this, rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Your faith, will determine your attitude. In the times of life that have been the most difficult to me, the times when joy has not been my companion, in those times of life, if I trace it back, I can always recognize that I wasn't believing the right things. Wait wait, a minute, Pastor Marty, you you believe all the right doctrine. I'm, I'm not talking about doctrine here. I wasn't practically believing the things that God says. And when I'm not believing the things that God says, I'm listening to a message that is contrary. By the way, that would be Satan. Paul identifies the messenger of Satan who buffets us. I would be listening to a message that is contrary, and my faith, rather than growing, would diminish. Let me put it this way. There are times in our lives when we go through a real difficult time where we don't do it consciously. And we don't do it purposely, but we eliminate God from the equation. So when the sun is bright, when we're prospering, when we're succeeding, when all is going well, we're singing hallelujah, praise the Lord, and we're excited about God. And then the moment the clouds begin to gather, it seems like for many of us there's a tendency to take God out of the equation at the very moment we need him most. So very practically, look back at what it says. We're going to access grace by faith and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Do you know faith accesses the grace of joy? the grace of joy. Do you know why? If I really believe God, it's going to be okay. If I really believe God, he is in control. If I really believe, now, now, that, that's not to say there's, that sorrow and disappointment are not legitimate emotions, they are. But joy is deeper than happiness. Joy is the thing that I can have in my heart even if tears are welling into my eyes. Joy buoys me up through the trials of life, and joy makes me recognize that there is something in my faith that keeps me going when other people would quit. And not only keeps me going, but it keeps me hopeful. I'm rejoicing in the hope of the glory of God. You say, Pastor Monty, that's just all a bunch of non-practical, flowery language. No, no, it's not. Because some of us in this room know exactly what I'm talking about when the hope of this life is fading. How many of you have ever had a loved one 
that suffered with something terminal. Look at the hands all over the room. Hope of this life, the present life, is then fading. Listen to me. Oh, Pastor Monty, where's my hope? Where's my joy? My joy and rejoicing is the hope, and in the Bible the word hope means an absolute certainty. It is a hope that comes, it is a joy that comes from the hope in the glory of God. Folks, when I believe the right thing, when I read the word of God, when I see God's word, well, Pastor Monty, I just want all of this fixed now. I want it straightened out by tomorrow. God better answer my prayer. Don't you ever approach God that way. Don't you approach God that way. Sometimes it is the will of God for people to be sick. It is the will of God for people to die. It is appointed unto men once to die and after that the judgment. We are broken people. We live in a broken world. That is the simple reality. Well, Pastor, where that's just so that's so that's just depressing. That's got me down. No. My faith teaches me to experience the grace of rejoicing because I believe the word of God that the darkness will one day turn to God, uh, to dawn. I believe the word of God that death will one day be swallowed up in victory. I believe the word of God that the grave that was sealed one day will one day burst open with new life and I can literally rejoice in the face of my tears because I believe God. And by believing God, I experience a level of grace that other people simply do not have. That is the grace of God that comes by faith and comes by believing. What if I didn't have anything to believe in? Wow. In the words of the Apostle Paul, if I didn't have anything to believe in, I would be of all men most miserable. You see, Paul, in a very practical sense, said we access the grace of God by faith in rejoicing in hope. When we believe the right things, rejoicing can be a reality, but not only rejoicing. Look at verse number three. And through the passage we're going to look at briefly tonight, there's a bit of a progression. Not only so, but we glory in tribulations also. We glory in them. Now, now wait a minute, Pastor Bonnie. That's next level. It is next level. Okay, we can rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. I get that, Pastor Bonnie. We can sing, when we all get to heaven, what a day. We can sing that, Okay. But now wait a minute, Paul ramps it up a bit, and he says, now we're gonna glory in tribulations. I don't know about you, but I don't like tribulations. I don't like them. What is a tribulation? It's a trial. I don't really like to go through that. But you know what a little bit of living, oh, and we're gonna get to that in a moment, a little bit of living. Do you know what a little bit of living has taught me? That there is a glory to the trial that is better than the glory of the success. There is a glory, you say, what what, what are you talking about? That there is the hand of God in a trial and the power of God in a trial and the dependency upon God in a trial that when I look back on that is better than if it had never happened. Years ago, I, I was a young person. Growing up, I told you this morning at the Fourth Baptist Christian School on the north side of Minneapolis, and we had uh, banquets. We had, would have uh, different banquets. I think it might have been a, a Valentine banquet or something. There was a young man who was a senior 
And so he was a couple years older than I, and I only know him, <clears throat> knew him by seeing him in the hallways. He was a, a, a handsome young man. He was very athletic, and uh, he had graduated a couple years before. They announced to us that we would have a special speaker at that banquet event. <coughs> so we all dressed up in our beautiful polyester suits and, and, uh, and ties. I mean, folks, this is the 80s. How many remember the 80s? I loved it. I loved the big hair thing, ladies of the 80s, the big hair thing. Y'all ought to return to that. It was just beautiful. And, uh, Pastor Wall actually has a picture of Missy in his office with this big hair. It's amazing. But, but, um, but uh, it, was, it was a wonderful time. And they didn't tell us who the speaker was going to be. And they had a stage and they had a curtain. And I remember when they announced the speaker, and I hadn't heard what had happened. When they announced the speaker... Uh, they moved the curtain a little bit, and a young man, that young man of whom I'm describing, was, was wheeled onto the stage. He was in a wheelchair. He had been injured in an accident the summer after he graduated. By the way, had every intention of becoming a missionary, a young man who loved the Lord. He had been injured in an accident. He was working in a lumber yard. He was riding a fork truck. There was a little incline somehow. He had too much on the truck, and somehow the, it, it all got unstable, and the whole thing tipped over. And when it tipped, he slipped under, and it was moving. And somehow the, the forks of the fork truck cut him right in half and met all the way to the spine. It was a miracle he did not die but he would now be paralyzed for the rest of his life. And he described that. And this is at a, a Valentine's banquet, I think it was. Why in the world would you talk about this at a Valentine's banquet? Can I tell you why? Because we are independent fundamental Baptists and we never miss an opportunity to make you uncomfortable. <laughs> and so that we were, we were, we were, we were just sitting there stunned. Here's, here's what he said, and I'll never forget this. He said this. He said, I would never have wished for this, but he said, I've never known God in a more real way. I'll be honest with you. Those words floated around in my brain because I couldn't quite comprehend it. I didn't really get it. He said, I know God now better than I've ever known him before. No one would wish that kind of accident on anyone. And yet because, listen carefully, in his faith he believed the right thing, he came to glory in his tribulation. He tapped into by faith, by believing what God said. So there's an awful lot of people, hey, Pastor, I, don't, I don't believe in God anymore. If there was a God, God would have never let this happen, and I don't believe in God, and God must be, if there is a God somewhere, he must be some ogre up in heaven uh, just ready to squelch us all out. And I don't believe, in, you know, there's a lot of people like that. And there are a lot of people that go to their grave with that kind of bitterness and that kind of resentment and that kind of angst and anger. Not this young man. He said, there is a God. And this was God's plan. And he said, I can know God through this plan. How, what is the difference between the two kind of people? The one person, listen carefully, accesses the grace of God by believing in something. The other person has no faith at all. And so is now left to wander in the randomness of human philosophy and frankly, to wallow in bitterness. But the Christian can access the grace of God by faith through a trial. We access it in trials. Uh, but now look at what else happens. Look at what else happens. Very practical. 
So verse number three, not only so, but we glory in tribulations also. Why? Knowing that tribulation worketh patience. Worketh patience. What, what, Pastor Monty, what good is tribulation? It teaches me how to endure. Now the word patience is not a very welcome word today in a day when we all want everything instantaneously given to us. The word endurance is a not a very welcome word today because after all, Pastor Bonnie, nothing should be that hard. We, we, shouldn't have to, we shouldn't have to be pressed and work our way through any situation. We should never have to break a sweat. We should never have to put forth effort. And yet Paul says one of the glories of a tribulation is this. It causes us to learn how to endure. Here's something I know. People who've gone through a lot can go through a lot more than people who haven't. And this, we, we all know about this. If you wanted to increase your cardiovascular health, you would have to endure either a lot of walking or a lot of jogging, which would ruin your knees, or you'd have to endure a lot of the, the elliptical stair-stepper machine at the Planet Fatness. You'd have to, and that's endurance, that's endurance. You'd have to get through that. If you want to gain strength and endurance to lift, you have to lift weights, and then you have to lift heavier weights. If in life you want to make it through trials, you have to lift a trial and then expect that it could be that God's going to give you a heavier one. Well, I just don't want to face any of that. Look at me. No one does. But you know what our faith teaches us? Our faith teaches us that there is grace every step of the way, and that he giveth more grace. Now, not enough grace, by the way, for two weeks from now, but enough grace just for today, a daily grace. God gives more grace, and we understand that we gain patience or endurance, and we work through the trial, and it produces that endurance. And pretty soon we can look back, and we can say, wow, I'm a lot stronger than I was, listen, and because of strength, I am more capable. I remember when I was a young preacher. I started this gig when I was 21 years old, 21, pastor of an independent Baptist church. Those people were crazy, but they were desperate. 21, I became pastor. Boy, I thought everything would be smooth sailing, everything would be wonderful, wonderful. Do you know what I found out? It wasn't. And every little thing that happened in that church threw me off. Every little thing. Everything that I didn't feel like I had control over. Everything, I mean, it just threw me. It just threw me. And it really wore me out. Do you know what happened? I went through some things. We had this big kerfuffle over roofing shingles. Okay, roofing shingles. I went through that. And everyone was bickering about these shingles. And I went through that. I went through several, a big kerfuffle about the ladies had like a little jar that they put money into for some kind of a ladies thing. Folks, it wasn't 30 bucks, okay? And then the other ladies got mad at the one lady because she spent it on some decoration or something. Kelly remembers every detail of this story. She could tell it better than I. And everyone blew up over 30 bucks. And I remember thinking, wow, the church is ruined over 30 bucks. I hated it. Do you know what? I know how to handle that now. I know how to handle it. Preacher, what would you do? Give them another 30 bucks. They wasted it. Give them another 30 bucks. How many guys know I'm right? Yeah, yeah, you can stop the bickering. Okay, give them another 30 bucks. Make a decision on the roofing shingles and live with it. But when I was young, all those things were hard to sort through. Now follow what I'm saying. 
that those, those trials or tribulations, they built endurance in me. But, but there's something else. Look at it in your Bible again. So we glory in tribulation, knowing that tribulation worketh patience. Now, now watch the next one. And patience, experience. Experience. What, what, what is experience, okay? That is my character. Now, how many know something? Because follow this. Experience is a great teacher. Not the best teacher, but it can be a very good teacher, okay? It can be a rough teacher. How many know that? I saw a man one time, older guy, he was wearing a t-shirt. It said, and he looked pretty rough. The guy looked pretty rough. He was wearing a t-shirt that said, graduate of the school of hard knocks. And I said, yeah, I can kind of tell. But experience, experience is the character that is built. We could even say the wisdom that is built by having gone through some deep waters. And once I've gone through some deep waters, um, that endurance, that patience will increase my experience because I don't run from the deep waters, I go through them. And then all of a sudden, I have a multiple experiences of life. How many of you have ever met? I've met some people, a handful of people, that have had broad experience, sometimes they're younger people, they've had broad experiences in life that are absolutely fascinating to me, and that broad experience has built their character and opened the eyes of their understanding to wisdom. They, we've met people like that. And you know what happens? We admire those people. Well, how did they get there? They got there because they went through some trials, they endured or were patient through those trials, and their patience resulted in experience that can help somebody else. Well, Pastor Monty, come on. Sounds like a long process. Look at me. It is. And it all begins with faith. Because I access the grace of God through the entire process by believing what God said and believing that at the end of the process there is something good, and I'm going to end with some experience to help someone else. I'm going to cross a raging river, flood beyond flood, dangerous, but in the pathway I'm going, I'm crossing a raging river, and rather than leave the river, I'm going to turn and build a bridge for the next guy who comes. That is why God put me through that. Well, Pastor Monty, that's lofty. It's inspirational. Can I clue you in on something? It's faith. It's faith. It's believing that behind the problem, there is Almighty God who has a purpose. Do you see the difference? If you believe that everything's random, or you jettison your faith because you're going through something difficult, I, I'm just going to throw that faith in the dumpster and, and be an atheist. <laughs> if you do that, you have no hope. But if you, according to the Word of God, by faith, access the grace wherein you stand, by believing certain things that God is and the things that God has said, you can increase your experience for your character. And then I want you to see the last one. Look down, if you will, with me. Patience, experience, notice this, and experience hope. Now, we already saw that word, hope of the glory of God. But here it's a little different emphasis. 
If my patience or endurance brings me experience, through my experience, I can have hope. What is hope? Hope in the Bible is absolute certainty. Now, now, now watch, watch. By faith, I have accessed the grace of God. Then I have gone through a process of ramping this up. The trial, the endurance, the experience. Then I arrive at absolute certainty. And here's the good part. Have you ever met, and I'm trying to humanize this because I'm thinking in my mind about so many people when I talk about this. Have you ever met that person who when faced with a great trial, maybe the loss of a spouse or the loss of a child or something really, really a big deal, not this little piddly stuff that everyone gets wound up about, but a big deal. Have you ever met the person who with calm assurance and absolute belief smiles and says, my God is in control. That's hope. Hope is an absolute certainty. Follow me on this. Hope is the absolute certainty that cannot shake the faith that began the journey. How does that all happen? It happens when I believe the right things and I access the grace of God. Every step, do you all see this in this passage? I hope you see it. Every step in this process is faith. And every step in this process is begun by faith. And every step in this process which is begun by faith is bathed in the grace of God because you believed. So we are justified by faith. Yes, saved by faith through grace. Amen. But now we stand in this big pool of grace, this big puddle of grace. Pastor Ronnie, how do I get a hold of some of that? By believing the right things, not just about salvation and doctrine. That's key. That's, 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 that's the entry point. But how do I access that? By believing what God said in his word. And, 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 and how do I do that? By knowing something about the Bible. Faith which is the access point for grace. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. The more of that book that I could get in my heart, the stronger I will be. And if I'm ever slack about it, well, you know, I'm not, I'm not listening to the preaching like I used to, blah, blah, blah. I'm not, you know, you'll watch your faith decrease, 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 decrease. But if you bathe your mind in that book and the promises of God, your faith will increase and when your faith increases, you access the grace. And when you believe the right things, God does something bigger than you can possibly know. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is a promise from the word of God. So, the Bible says, by whom? By Jesus. Also, we, access, we, we also have access by faith into this grace. Believe what he said and then watch what he will do. Father, I pray you'll take the message tonight. Help us to understand our responsibility of increasing our faith by a love for and familiarity with the word of God. I thank you, Lord, that I'm speaking to an audience that loves the Bible. They're interested in it. 
They want to know the truth because they know that to know the truth is to know God. Father, in a very practical way, we believe these things by faith, and then we face bumps in the road. And Lord, help us when those bumps come to hold on to our faith as firmly as we can, more firmly than we believe we could, because in believing, we access the grace of God. Thank you, Lord, for your word that has made it crystal clear how we can experience grace in our lives. May we, by your help, practice these things, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.